Well, last Sunday we talked about marriages. Amen? Marriages. Because marriages are important. We believe in marriages in this house. Amen? If you destroy a marriage, you destroy a family. If you destroy a family, you destroy the community. If you destroy the community, you destroy the nation. A church is only as strong as the marriages are strong. It's built on the foundation of marriages. Hallelujah. But today, it's going to be very different. Today, I'm talking about singleness and dating God's way. Ooh, I felt that. Come on, let me, let, let me hear the young people. Any, any single person in the building? Amen. Now, are you guys ready for this? Are you sure? Now, married people, I don't want you to feel like you came to church on the wrong day because there's going to be a lot of stuff for you as well. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to give you four points today, four biblical points from the Word of God on how to live a single life the way God intended it and how to date successfully. Amen. You guys ready? I'm just going to jump right into it. Number one. Cherish singleness. Please bring a journal to church. Bring something you can write. If not, anybody, write, write in your iPhone, your Android. Amen. We'll take the Androids as well. If you have an Android, we'll give you an opportunity to repent at the end of service as well. <laughs> but write. You're going to want to write this. And for, for those of you who are married, please write this as well. You have, you have nieces and nephews and and uh, people that are not married or uncles and somebody you can talk to when they begin to ask you questions. How do we date God's way? How do we live a successful single life God's way? So take notes today. I'm going to hang around here today. Last month I was preaching on prayer. I was running around all over the place. Today I'm going to hang out here because I'm going to give you a lot of points. Amen. Hallelujah. So I'll start with a tweet today. Being single is not a punishment but a gift from God. Cherish it. Being single is not a punishment. It's a gift from God. God is blessing you with this gift. You've got to remember the first person that God ever created was single. That was not a mistake. God does everything with intentionality. Adam was created single. And the Bible says in the book of Genesis chapter 2 verse 19 that Adam named all the animals and the birds there's 1.3 million species of animals, and there's 10,000 species of birds. H how long does it take you to name 1.3 million animals? Right? You you're going to be a skunk. You're going to be a hippopotamus. Did I do that right? My wife is always, is always cor correcting me. <laughs> She's always, always correct. I can't get that thing right, you you're going to be a lion, you look like a lion, you're going to be a leopard, and you're going to be a tiger, and you're going to be a cheetah, right? And you're going to be a squirrel, you got 1.3 million species of animals, you're going to be a blue jay. Let me tell you this, you cannot be married and take on a project like that. There are certain things you can't do when you're married. That's why singleness is not a punishment, it's a gift. You don't take on a, a project of naming 1.3 million species of animals and 10,000 species of birds. You can only do that when you're single. There's certain things that are just very difficult. Matter of fact, you will strain your marriage if you do when you're married. And God has given you this gift of time. 
to do certain things right now. Hallelujah. I see people going to school, and, and they should. I see, I've seen mothers going to school when they have two, three, four kids going to do their bachelors. It's doable. And I pray for you in the place where you believe in God to go back to school. Do it. Somebody say, do it. But truth be told, it strains your marriage a little bit. And the, and the people who do it will tell you, it strains marriage a little bit. Because it's perfect when you do it when you're single. There's certain things you just can't do when you're married. It strains your marriage. So being single is not a punishment. It's a gift from God. I want you to know that time is the most precious commodity that you ever have. You can lose money and gain it back. You can lose friends and make some more friends. But you will never get the time that you have now. God has blessed you with this season. It's a gift. Cherish it. Don't be in a rush. <laughs> Don't be rushing through this phase of life. It's a gift from God. Somebody say it's a gift. If you despise singleness, you will waste precious time, energy, and creativity. There's a level of creativity that God blesses you with in a season like this. You know why? Because when you're single, you can focus on something and focus on it and focus on it without distractions. When I was single... From the age of somewhere around 17 or so, I used to be in the music studio for a minimum of 10 to 15 hours every day. That when I was in my, in my 20s, somewhere in my mid-20s, before I got married, I had a pillow and a blanket and I slept in the studio. You can't do, I can't do that now. My Italian wife will kill me. I can't sleep in the studio now, but I used to sleep in the studio, literally making music hours upon hours upon hours of studio, of production. I, I mean, I tried anything you can ever imagine, and, and now I have a better perspective of production. I can, I can lead groups with confidence. I've had the opportunity to have number one songs on iTunes and, and go to studios in Nashville and produce because I practice when I was single. Somebody say amen. Please. Being single is a gift. Don't waste your life feeling lonely. There's so many things you can do today. Somebody say amen. I want to inspire you. It's a gift from God. God gave it to Adam. He's in the jungle. He's naming all the animals. He's eating all the cucumbers and pineapples and having fun. <laughs> Let me say this to you. Here is the truth. The truth is, most of Adam's problems began when he got married. Have you read the Bible? That brother was chilling before he was married. He's hanging out with monkeys, he's eating apples and everything. He gets married. Now, I'm not telling you not to get married. Here's the other point I want to give you in transition here. The reason you should cherish singleness is because marriage is a paradox. Marriage is a paradox. Marriage can be the greatest thing that's ever happened to you if you do it right. And if you don't do it right, it could be the worst thing that's ever happened to you. Somebody say amen to that. That's why you should cherish this, sing this season and not be in a rush. Any married people there? Marriage can be the greatest motivator. It can also be the greatest distraction if you don't do it well. I knew people. I've had friends who loved God, who were going to church, doing ministry, studying the word of God, pursuing their visions and dreams until the day they got married. They married somebody who stopped them from pursuing their dreams, somebody who stopped them from pursuing God. 
they, they became couch potatoes. Can I say that? Became a couch potato, for, gave up on the dream and gave up and just, and just upset because he got married. Please cherish this. Can I, can, I say, can I speak to you as a spiritual father today, young people? Enjoy the season. If you do it well, you will never be single again because marriage is forever. Of course, later on in the years, people get wheedled and that life happens. But even then, life is different. You will never have what you have now again. Somebody say amen to that. Cherish singleness. One of the reasons why you should cherish singleness is that marriage is a choice. Marriage is an option. It's not mandatory. Did you know that? You're very quiet over there. There's no place in the Bible where God says marriage is a command. I'm, I'm preaching theology today, teaching you the word of God. There's no, you will never find a place in the Bible where marriage is a command. Marriage is an option. Love is a command. You should love everybody. It's a commandment. It's, a great, it's the greatest commandment. But you will see that in the book of Matthew 19, from verse 11 to 12, Jesus is having a discussion with his, with his disciples and he says, some people are born eunuchs. Some people choose not to be married for the sake of the kingdom. If you choose to serve God and you don't want to be married, you can do that. Marriage is a choice. It's not mandatory. So don't let anybody force you. Don't let anybody look down on you or force you. Please, when you go to a wedding this summer and, 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 and they throw the whatever they call it. What do you call that thing? Bouquet, there we go. Don't, don't, don't pick up that thing and go home and cry yourself to sleep. Don't allow your auntie to pressure you. Hey, honey, you're getting old, honey. I saw gray hair. Yeah, honey, you, you're getting up there, honey. Don't allow anybody to pressure you. Hallelujah. Here's another point. Please write this down. Marriage is not needed for you to fulfill your destiny in life. Marriage is not needed for you to fulfill your will, the will of God for you in your life. The Bible says, a man shall leave his father and mother, and the two, somebody shout two, and the two shall become what? One. That's God's mathematics. One plus one is equal to one. The two, God never created half people. I want you to know today as a single person, you're not half of a person waiting for your other half in order, in order to be whole. You are whole today. If you say yes to Jesus, you are complete. You are whole. You can fulfill your God-given destiny in Jesus' name. So please don't put your life on pause waiting for somebody to come into your life in order to start living. Your destiny is not locked up in another human being but only Jesus. Only Jesus. So use this time to serve God. Use this time. Be encouraged. I want to encourage somebody in this place. Don't sit around waiting around. Don't sit around feeling miserable. Come on. Take yourself out on a date. Come on. Get a manicure. Get a petty. Hook yourself up. Hang out with yourself. Enjoy this single time. Your destiny is not locked up in some other guy. It's locked up in Jesus. Come on. There's hope in you today. Somebody shout Hallelujah. Paul says it in the book of 1 Corinthians 7, chapter, chapter 7, verse 7. He says, I want all of you to be single like me. That's what Paul is saying. So you can serve God. 
But he says, but if you're going to be tempted sexually, so I, I decide and I suggest you get married. That way you don't burn. Paul is saying here, it's not, it's not mandatory. It's a choice. Somebody say it's a choice. It's a choice. Don't let anybody force you. And if it's a choice, it means you also choose the time and the season. Ask God and take your time. Somebody say amen. There's another point here that I want to give you. Singleness is a season for you to discover your identity. God's given you the season to discover your identity. Let's learn how Adam lived this life. Adam was single. God created him single. And what did Adam do as a single person? Adam spent time in the garden working, but also Adam spent time in the garden in the presence of God. Single people take time in the presence of God. You don't have a date, make a date with Jesus. Make a date with Jesus. 7 o'clock this Friday, I have a date with Jesus. 7 p.m. this Tuesday, I don't have a valentine, but I have the best valentine in the world. Jesus is my valentine. When somebody asks you, hey, who's your valentine this year? Man, this dude, Jay, is my valentine. I got Jay in the, Jay is my valentine, baby. Get yourself in the room. Get some worship music. Get yourself in the bathtub. Get some bubble bath. The water nice and soaking worship and just enjoy the presence of Jesus. Let him speak to you and he will help you discover your identity. This is where I want to talk to married people. The reason most married people struggle is because they got married before they knew their true identity. Because your choice, if you choose somebody before you know your true identity, once you discover your true identity, you may not like your choice anymore. Hey, help me, Jesus. Please, whatever you do, don't get married before you discover your identity. That's why if you're married today and you didn't know how to use your time being single, you didn't discover the value of singleness, you're going to have to be somebody who goes to night school while they're working daytime. While you're married, you're going to have to go back and begin to spend time in the presence of Jesus. You can't divorce. We don't believe in that. But you can begin to take time with Jesus, even with your husband or your wife, and begin to ask the Lord to reveal to you who you really are. Who am I? Stop living your life just trying to please people. Who, what do I really like? What should I be doing? What do I really like to eat? What do I really like to do? I just don't do this because my friends in high school said to do it. I'm just not going to do this because this part. You have to learn who you are. And the quicker you discover your identity, healing will come into your marriage. Please don't marry somebody who's confused. Young people, take time to discover who you are. Use this season as single people to take time. Heal from, your, from the pains of the wounds of the past. Be healed. Find identity. Finding true identity in Jesus is finding healing. Be healed. Somebody wounded you when you were growing up. Forgive your daddy who was never there. Take that time to do that. Because listen, the things you don't deal with now will become a gift that you give your spouse in the future. So what kind of gift do you want to give your spouse? And for some of us who are married now... Some of the issues we're having is because we're still angry at people. We're still bitter. We're still hurting at people who hurt us in the past. So we're going to have to work overtime while we're married and find healing. 
Somebody say amen. Find healing. Every human being, when you wake up in the morning, there are four things you're looking for. Number one, acceptance. Number two, identity. Number three, security. And number four, what is number four? Anybody got a guess? That's a good one. No, it's acceptance. It's identity. It's security. I've preached it here before. And it's purpose. It's purpose. But identity is very important. If you marry a confused person, you'll be confused. Confused people confuse people. If you marry a hurt person, you'll be hurt because hurt people hurt people. Whatever you do, don't marry a chameleon. Find your true identity. Cherish singleness. Amen. Somebody say cherish singleness. Take this time to cherish singleness. And if you're married, take time and say, God, reveal to me. Who am I? Who am I? Reveal to me. Amen. Let's go to the next one. Number two. Prepare for your next season. Prepare for your next season. You have to know that God has given you this season to be single, to enjoy, but also to prepare for your next season. Now, you choose what your next season is. For some of you, you want to be married. For some of you, maybe not. But you have to prepare for whatever that next season is. Some of you, you want to start businesses in the next season. Some of you want to be used by God in ministry in your next season. So there's so many things that you're preparing for. So God has given you this time so you can prepare for the next season. You see, it's because the way you exit your current season will determine your success in your next season. Hallelujah. The way you exit your current season will determine your success in the next season. Can I say this to you? I can see a single person and I can predict the kind of next season they're going to have. I, I, I can see, show me how you spend your money. Show me your friends. Amen, single people. Show me the people you hang around. Show me what you do in your life. Show me your bank account. Let me look at your statement and see where you spend most of your money. And I can predict how your next season is going to be. I can predict. Show me how you relate to your family. Show me the kind of arguments you have. And I can predict the kind of marriage you're going to have. Because the way you exit your current season determines your success in the next season. Somebody shout hallelujah. So prepare. Use this time to prepare. Let's read Matthew chapter 25, verse 1 to 4. Matthew chapter 25, verse 1 to 4. Let me see if I can get out here. 1, 2, 3. Let's read that together. The kingdom of God. Keep the scripture right there. The kingdom of heaven will be like the ten bridesmaids. Bridesmaids. Bridesmaids are single people. They're not married yet. We'll be like 10 bridesmaids. We'll be like 10 single people who took their lamps to meet their bridegroom. They were searching for a bridegroom. Next scripture. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. Okay, stop right there. I want you to know that there's a group of single people who are foolish according to the Bible. And there's a group that's wise. Come on, don't get upset with me. I didn't say it. The word of God said it. But I pray in the name of Jesus that the single people in this house are going to be wise. That's why we teach the word of God. Amen. 
Now let's 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 look at the word of God and see what determined those who were wise and those who were foolish. The five who were foolish did not take enough olive oil in their lamps. They were foolish. They they had oil. It's not that they didn't have oil. They had oil. It just wasn't enough. Next scripture. But the other five were wise enough to take along extra. Somebody shout extra. One more time. Say it. Extra. The wise single people had extra oil in their tank. They had extra in their tank. Extra. Somebody say extra. If you're going to prepare for your next season, you just don't want to have enough. You need to have extra. Because the next season will require extra oil. Oil stands for resources, stands for power, stands for knowledge, enlightenment. You need to have extra for your next season. For the people that are married, they will tell you, you need extra. You need extra preparation. You can't prepare enough. That's why you have to cherish singleness. Use every moment of your life to prepare. Somebody say amen. I want to say a few things to you. Here's a tweet. The education and skills that you develop during your single life become assets that bless your marriage. They become assets that bless your marriage. So take this time. Educate yourself. Take this time. Learn some new skills. The greater the assets, the greater the blessing. That's why you want to prepare extra. But let me say, let me say this to you also. On the flip side, the education and the skills that you don't develop in your single life become liabilities in your marriage. They become liabilities. So you can't prepare enough. Prepare. Somebody said prepare. Hallelujah. So I want to give you, under this point here, of prepare for your next season, I want to give you seven things. I want to quickly give you seven things that you need to do as you prepare. They're not the only seven things, but these are the ones I could do with the time that we have. Number one, get educated. Bible says study to show yourself approved. You might have a bachelor's degree. Go, go get a master's. Don't waste time waiting for somebody. Go get a master's. If you don't have a bachelor's, go back to school and work on your bachelor's. Get an associate's. Get certified. You may not have time or you may not have the resources or, or the vision to go into a four-year full program. But you can get certified in something. Go get a diploma in some area. Do something. Learn how to massage. Do something. Get some extra oil. Come on, somebody. Learn how to cook. Get something. Get some extra oil. Number two, learn life skills. I'm amazed at how many people in this generation, in this 20-something century, this postmodernistic culture, this progressive generation that does not know basic life skills. It's, it's unbelievable. It will, be, it will become a liability in your marriage. Basic life skills. Learn how to clean. Amen, somebody. Take this time as a single person and learn how to make your bed. If you don't make your bed now, you'll not make a bed when you're married. And you're going to get somebody upset. I'm preparing these daughters here in the name of Jesus. Somebody shout Hallelujah. Learn life skills. Learn how to clean. Somebody say amen. Learn how to sew a button. Come on. Learn how to sew. Learn how to knit. Make some scarves for your babies in the future. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Learn something. Amen. Come on, somebody. 
And for those of you who are married and never did this, you're going to have to work overtime. Because yet again, the things, the skills and the education that you didn't get that you were supposed to get becomes a liability that strains your marriage. So learn. Fellas, learn how to fix a car. <laughs> Hallelujah. Learn some basic carpentry. Can I be honest with you? One of the areas where I've, I've strained my marriage, Bobby, and I wish I had learned this, Donald, is I'm not a handy person like you, Donald. I, I wish I was a handy person. Do you know how many times my wife got upset at me and thought I didn't respect her simply because I couldn't fix what she wanted fixed quick enough? It communicates disrespect. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I just don't know how to fix anything. I'll play piano for you. But I can't fix anything. I can't change. Honey, when are you going to change this light bulb in the bathroom? I can't change a light bulb. I'm working on it. Come on, somebody. But if there's an area that has brought strain into my marriage, it's that. And my wife grew up with an electrician. My, father, my, my father-in-law was in the union. He wired all the cheesecake factories in the area. He's a handy guy. So my wife is more handy than I am. Can you, can you believe that? It's embarrassing. She's, on Christmas Day, my father-in-law buys for his daughter a little pink, a little cute, you know, two box. She's got a pink hammer in there. She's got pink screw diamond, And she knows how to use that stuff. She can fix stuff. I, I get embarrassed. She's outside fixing stuff, and I'm just I'm hiding in the bedroom because I don't want the neighbors to see me in the house. We have a breakdown. We open the, 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 the thing, and she's, she knows. I'm like, okay, honey, I'm, I'm going to fix this. I know what's wrong. She said, no, 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 honey, that's, that's, that's what's wrong. I knew that. I knew that. I was just troubleshooting, troubleshooting. But I wish I learned, and I'm working on it, man. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. But learn this thing so you can bless somebody one day. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Listen, learn how to cook. I'm going to say that again. Let me get a bigger man. Learn how to cook. That is a basic life skill, especially ladies. Learn how to cook. Yet again, I know we're living in such a postmodernistic, progressive generation with feminism and power to the girls, and I believe in power to the girls. That's why I got my girl on this stage every Sunday. I believe that women can be anointed. Yes, I will ordain a woman pastor. If God appoints her, who am I not to anoint her? I believe in women being anointed in the house of God. But let me tell you something, ladies. There's nothing like a woman who knows how to throw it down in the kitchen. Ah, Jesus, Jehovah. Ah, I'm going to tell you this. You, you young little girls here, le learn this. I know we live in a generation we don't have to cook. You can order out. You can, you can, get, you can get, what is it, everything out there. Listen, that stuff gets old when you have babies in the house. And you have visitors coming home. You want a woman who can host and who can throw down. Amen, somebody. Hallelujah. Let me tell you this, young ladies. Let me tell you this, daughters. There's a special kind of love that a man has for a woman who knows how to feed him. Oh, that dude will never let go of you. Come on, somebody. 
He will, we want, he'll be hooked with you for if you know how to cook and do some other things in the bed. Those two things, come on. Peace, peace, peace. That woman, that dude will never let go of you. Come on, let me get an amen to the fellas up in this place. There's a special kind of love. When you're sleeping on a Saturday morning and you wake up to the smell of some bacon calling your name. Come here, daddy. Come here, daddy. Come here, come eat me. There's something about a woman who knows how to throw down in the kitchen. There's just something about it. Young ladies, let me tell you this. This is old information. This is old knowledge. The way to a man is still through his belly. Where do you find this in the Bible, Pastor? Well, the Proverbs 31 woman is the standard of biblical Christianity to a woman. As, as far as a woman is concerned, the Bible says she's domestic. She knows how to make her own money. She's, she works. She, the Bible says she rises up early. Her children call her blessed. And her husband calls her blessed. Because she knows how to make some beautiful filet mignon. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hey, Jesus, Jehovah. I got one of those girls at the house. Man. She makes some Italian food. Food so good makes you want to smack your own mother. Hey, ma! This food, ma, this food is so good. Food so good. Heal your soul. There was times as a young man, I came home sad, depressed, broke, didn't make money. And my wife would be, come here, honey, I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you. She'd make me some food. That food heal you, man. Heal your soul. Heal your soul. Fix you. Hallelujah. Let's go to the next one. Learn how to manage relationships. God's blessed you in this season as a single person with your family so you can learn conflict resolution, how to manage relationships. Show me how you relate with your family right now and I'll tell you how you're going to be when you get married. Because don't think you're going to relate with your spouse any, in a different way than you relate with the people in your home now. So, so, so don't dismiss the people in your life. And by the way, might I say this? God did not make a mistake. God knew that your father would be your father or your father would be there. On the, I mean, God, God knew that, 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 yes, my mother is so tough. My auntie is difficult. Well, do you think God is surprised with that? No, he trusted you with this situation because he knows what your future has. So learn how, to, learn how to forgive. Learn conflict resolution. God is training you right now. Look at the standard of your relationship right now, and that's how you're going to be when you get married. You don't have to guess. It's all there. Let me give you another one. Develop character by serving in the house of God. Develop character by serving in the house of God. I can't tell you this enough. Uh, I, I, I'm the man that I am today because I served in the house of God. And we, we live in such a generation where you can't say anything to young people anymore. You can't correct them. You can't. I'll tell you, I am the person I am today because I, man, listen, I served my daddy on the crusade field. It was not easy serving that prophet. He's a prophet. He'll tell you what, where you were last night. Zenzo, where were you last night? Oh, dad, I was sleeping. No, I know where you were. You were wearing this and this and that. And where you were, the, the curtains were blue and pink. And, and he will correct you. I've been yelled at in front of thousands of people. Zenzo, where are you? Get on the piano now. Now, you don't have to be abusive. I'm, I'm not the same way. They had a different way of communication. But I'll tell you this. 
the training that we received in the house of God has made us the kind of fathers we are today. Made us the kind of fathers we are today. We can be responsible. There's not a place that will train you like the house of God. Here's something I want you to know. If you don't learn to be responsible for what belongs to God, you won't learn to respect human beings. If you can't respect the house of God, be on time. When you come to church, it's an appointment with God. Be on time. If you can't be on time going to the house of God to honor God, you will never honor a human being enough to be on time. Learn how to be consistent. Let your word be your word. Let your yes be your yes. Be consistent. That's how you train. Because in the future, that's the kind of husband and wife that you're going to be. Somebody say amen. Number five, don't get consumed with finding a spouse. Isn't it amazing that Adam was busy working? And isn't it amazing that Adam went to sleep, God put him to sleep, and then he woke up and his wife was there? He wasn't busy consumed and searching every day. Don't spend every moment of your life being consumed. Serve. Serve God. Do some other things and let God do the work for you. And lastly here. Keep yourself pure. Prepare by keeping yourself pure. The reason God designed it for a young lady who's a virgin to shed blood on her marriage night is because God wanted you to have a strong covenant with the person you'd live with. Amen, somebody. I know we don't preach these things anymore, but this preacher will preach. Let's make being a virgin cool again. Let's make it a normal thing again. And if you're in this house and you're single and, and, and you lost your virginity already, don't worry. Come on. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. I declare, you over, I declare over you today as a spiritual father, you are a virgin again in Jesus' name. But now serve yourself from now on. Save yourself. Somebody shout amen. amen. Hallelujah. Save yourself. And if you're out there sleeping around, please stop. Because every time you have sexual intercourse, you're giving a self, you're giving a part of you away. Some of you are giving so, so much of yourself, you won't know who you are anymore. Let's just stop that right there. In Jesus' name. Now, if you're married, if you're married, you never stop preparing. Upgrade yourself. Somebody, amen. Learn how to cook some new meals. Come on. And when I talk about cooking, I'm not just talking to ladies. I'm talking to fellas too. Can I get an amen from the ladies? Dudes, there's something about a guy who can come from work, take his tie off, put on an apron and go in the kitchen and say, baby, I got you tonight. Come on, somebody. Baby, I got you tonight. Go there, go sit down. Go lay on that couch and I got this baby. And you go in the kitchen and start, start cooking. And you want to taste this, honey? Is this good or what? You... Fellas, upgrade yourself. Learn new things. Bring some new assets into your marriage. Hallelujah. Help. Take care of something. You know, good. I heard of a dude. I'm not going to say, oh, no, no. Let me, let me not go there. Let me not go there. <laughs> We keep that to our husband's night, right? <laughs> Go take a class to massage somebody, fellas. <laughs> Amen. Upgrade yourself. 
Upgrade yourself. Marry people. Upgrade, your, upgrade yourself. Learn something new. Learn something new that you can bless your marriage with. Number three, choose well. Choose well. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2, 21 and 23. We're going to close very soon. Choose well. Choose well. Let's go to that scripture, Genesis. Genesis chapter 2, 21 to 23. Let's read that together. One, two, three, go. Stop right there. Who caused the man to fall into, into deep sleep? God. Okay, go to the next one. Who took out the rib? Okay. God is mentioned twice here. The God, God is being involved in this, in this process of Adam choosing a mate. Next scripture. Then... Three times it says, the Lord God caused the man to sleep. The Lord God removed the rib. And the Lord God met the woman. If you're going to choose well, God has to be involved. God has to be involved. Pastor, how is God involved? We're going to go to the next scripture. Keep that there for now. Pray. You've got to have the peace of God here in your spirit. You know it when you know it. And you know it when you're compromising. Look for that peace. Look for that peace in there. And here's another way that you choose well. Part of choosing well is, is taking advantage of the community of believer, believers that God has blessed you with to help you pray and hear God. See, that, this is where most people make a mistake. They find somebody somewhere and they sneak around and they start dating and they get so involved. And then they bring them to the house and say, hey, meet my boo. No, what you want to do is once you start talking to that person and there's a little interest, bring them to some people that love you, that pray for you, that are concerned with your life. And just hang out in a group and say, hey, help me pray. Help me pray. Check this dude out. Check this woman out. And help me pray. What do you think about him? That's part of choosing. God speaks to you through other people who are trusted in your lives. That's what I did. When I found Michelle, I knew I liked her and I brought her to a friend and... Uh, spiritual mother and some friends who are spirit who are spiritual brothers and sisters and say hey just check out this girl for me i'm praying help me pray and they're like zenzo she's amazing not only is she amazing she's gonna make your life better but before that there were some other people that i brought there and they're like zenzo run for cover <laughs> and i didn't always have the strength to run i was a little bit stubborn sometimes and i got in trouble every time i was warned and I didn't do it, it always ended in trouble. Story after story. So hearing God, people are involved with hearing God. Listen, we're not trying to run your lives. Talk to somebody so they can help you. We love you. We pray for you. We are married. We know what it takes to be married. Ask somebody. Let somebody help you. Somebody say amen. Let's go to the next part of the scripture here. One, two, three, go. At last. Woo! Stop right there. At last. The man exclaimed, uh, let's, let's bring that to the postmodernistic version. Oh my God, this lady is fire. She's hot. That's what Adam was saying. So choosing well is one, being spiritually led and being physically attracted. Please don't be super spiritual. There's got to be some chemistry. Don't marry somebody by faith. 
please, you've got to be attracted. Let's not be too super spiritual. Look at the scripture there. Adam wakes up and he says, oh my gosh, she's banging, she's hot. It's okay to be attracted. It's okay for, for there to be an attraction. But let me say this, being spiritually led is you have to know this. Please don't be in a hurry to being involved physically. Because being involved too quickly, being involved physically too quickly will cloudy your spiritual discernment. And you can't get out because, because you're too involved. You've given that person your soul already. One of the best things I ever did when I dated my wife, this wasn't my suggestion, by the way. It was her suggestion. She said, honey, I, I don't want to kiss. I was like, oh, oh, my God, say that again. She said, I, I don't want to kiss. Best things ever. Best thing that ever happened. Well, later on, we, we got engaged. Later on, we started kissing. But if I tell you this, hear it from me. If I could do it again, I would have just waited for the marriage day. I know this sounds old, but I'm trying to pr protect you. Because when you get physically involved too quickly, some of us, truth be told, we just can't handle it. Please, please forget next, net, Netflix and chill. <laughs> Netflix and chill has produced too many babies out of wedlock. Please, you can't handle it. Your body just can't handle it. Remain pure in the house of God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. The Bible says in the book of 2 Corinthians 6, 14, let's see the scripture together. Let's read this together. One, two, three, go. Don't. I'm not even going to say anything after that. It's clear. Maybe I'll say one thing. If you don't listen to that, you will cry tears. And the last thing I'll say in point number five, the last thing is marry a cultivator. Marry a cultivator. Marry a cultivator. Put the scripture up. I think it's Genesis 2.5. Genesis 2.5. Let's read that together. One, two, three, go. Keep that scripture there. To tend and watch over, over it. Somebody say tend. This word tend is to cultivate. Adam was a cultivator. Somebody say that cultivator. Adam was a cultivator. You have to marry a cultivator. And this is why. There is no perfect spouse out there. There's no perfect husband. There's no perfect wife. Matter of fact, the perfect husband or the perfect wife you're looking for is only on the other side of your cultivation. You have to cultivate your spouse. God made Adam, a single person, a cultivator because God knew that he needed to cultivate his wife. And she needed to cultivate him. That's why the Bible says in the book of Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives like Christ loves the church. That he gave his, his life for her. That he washes her with the washing of the word of God. That he might present her to himself. Pure and blameless. Christ cultivates the church. His bride. 
We are not perfect, but he cultivates us and he's making us better and better and better and better. Mar marry a cultivator. So choosing well is not about perfection, it's about potential. Once there's the peace of God in there, once the people around you that you trust and love have endorsed the person, once you've prayed and God is saying this is it and you're friends, you're developing friendship, that person may not be perfect, but you got to have a vision, cultivate them. Some of us will never be married because we're looking for a person that, has, that, that doesn't exist at all. You're looking for some perfect picture that does not exist. You're going to be in and out of relationships. You're going to find a woman of God and you're going to find a man of God and you're going to give up on them because you're looking for a picture of perfection that doesn't exist. It only exists on the other side of cultivation. And I want to save somebody today. If you find a woman of God, it's very difficult to find a woman of God and it's very difficult to find a man of God if you find them. And God has given you the peace and there's an endorsement. Do it by faith and cultivate them and watch who they're going to be in the future. When I married my wife, she didn't know how to cook. She didn't know how to clean. She didn't know different things, but I love that girl. I pursued that girl. I saw the hand of God on her, rough on the edges, but I pursued her. And the woman of God she is today, the mother of my kids she is today, she cooks. I think she's the best pastor's wife in town. I think she's doing an amazing job. She's hardworking. She's in there Sunday after Sunday. Sick or not sick, she's out there serving. Wears her t-shirt, faithful, faithful woman of God. She was not anywhere close to that when I met her. And I was not anywhere close to the man I am today when she met me. We loved each other. And like Christ cultivates the church I have cultivated her and she has cultivated me the person you see today is a product of the school of cultivation I call it the school the college of Michelle Foley Matoga right here in married people most of the issues we're having today is because we have stopped cultivating we've stopped cultivating why don't you do this? Why don't you have this? Why don't you do that? Why don't you dress this way? Well, take the girl to the mall and shop for her. Why don't you look this way? Why don't you lose weight? Well, sign up for gym and you and her work out together. Cultivate. Don't blame cultivate.